The greatest army in the world is bearing down on 500,000 plus Israelites out in the deserts of Egypt, and they are backed up against the Red Sea. And we pick up the story there uh, where we learned last week in Red Sea Rules, the series that we're in this summer, that we have to learn to wait on God. But today we're going to learn a whole different lesson. Let's check it out. Exodus chapter 14 Verses 10 through 16 says this, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said, Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not this, what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord then said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Now what we're going to see is that Red Sea rule number five, and this week we're going to look at Red Sea rule number six. We're going to find out that they are two sides of the same coin. And what we're going to find out is that we have more lessons to learn in this moment up against the Red Sea with the Israelites because we all have our own Red Sea moments. Many of you are facing one right now. You could probably tell someone right now your Red Sea moment. Your back feels like it's against the wall. You feel overwhelmed. In fact, I think collectively we all do in some ways with the global pandemic that we're facing and all of the unknown, scary circumstances that we're looking at. So we learned last week that we must learn to wait on God. But today we're going to learn that we must also be willing to go when he says to go. And what I believe that we're going to see in the scriptures, and I think we all know from human experience, and we learned last week, we hate to wait. We're going to find out today, like the Israelites, most of us, when it's time to go, many of us are afraid to move forward. But what we're going to see today is when it comes to that fine line between wait and go, it has as much to do with the condition of our own hearts as it does with the details of our circumstances. When God says go, we must follow him forward. When God says go, we must follow him forward. That's Red Sea rule number six. So the Israelites had to learn last week to wait 
on God. Moses looked at them as they were complaining, right? Here's, here's the sequence of events. They finally cried out to God, but we see that their prayer must have been a very immature, shallow prayer in many ways because they continued to groan and moan about their circumstances. They did not trust God yet. And so as they began to complain because they didn't get the answer immediately that they wanted, what we see is Moses turns to them and he tells them, guys, you're going to have to be still and be silent. You're going to have to wait. And according to the scriptures, that's what they did. The Israelites learned one of their first steps of obedience and humility and submission. They submitted to God and instead of bowing down to the Egyptians and begging for mercy, they stood still. And when they did that, we see the next big event. God speaks. He speaks to them through Moses. Remember, they didn't have Bibles. Uh, the Israelites are not going to walk across the Red Sea uh, with their Bibles tucked under their arms because they didn't have a Bible yet. They didn't even have the law. So God is speaking to them directly through the prophet Moses, their leader, right? But he does speak to them. And he says, now that they have cried out to him and now that they have submitted to him by being still and waiting on him, he now says, move forward, take a step forward. And the first thing we see here is this would have been hard. I mean, the Israelites did not have binoculars to look across the water and even see the shore on the other side. Much less did they know uh, whether God was going to miraculously do something to help them across that water. Uh, we know with the advantage of history what happened. We know God's going to split the Red Sea. They're going to walk across. But they did not know that. And let me just help you. If you have your back against the wall right now, you don't know what God's about to do either. And it is a scary place to be when your Red Sea is in front of you and you don't know how you're going to get across it. And many of you are there. It may be health. It may be finances. It may be the economy. I, I, we have so many things swirling around us right now. And so much of it is unknown. It feels like we're walking through our own Red Sea moments, doesn't it? Well, in that time, it becomes absolutely imperative as believers that we learn to listen to the voice of of God. We must learn to hear and listen to the voice of God. Let me give you three reasons it's so important that believers in Jesus learn to hear the voice of God. First of all, it proves that you are a child of God. Your ability to hear God's voice and know His voice proves actually that you are really a believer, that you're really a child of God. Listen to the words of John 8, 47. It says this, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. Now those are very powerful comments from Jesus himself. Well, what is he saying? He's saying that anytime a person puts their faith in God, and the Israelites had done that through faith, and we know the story of the Exodus and the Passover, and if you have ever given your life to Jesus, you are now a child of God. And every child begins to learn. It won't be perfect. It's a process Throughout your life, you'll learn to hear His voice and detect His voice and follow and obey it more and more and more. But if you are a real believer, you will immediately begin to develop your ear for the voice of God. And it proves that you are a child of God. You'll also begin to detect what is not God's voice. And I'm going to tell you in a moment how a believer can verify, can tell what is God's voice and what is not His voice. It proves we're a child of God. Listen to Jesus' words uh, in the same book, the book of John, chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
Once again, what the Israelites are going to do, they waited, and it was hard to wait, and it was scary to wait, and now God speaks to them, and we know the story. They're going to follow God forward, proving to the world, especially the Egyptians watching it all happen, that they really trusted their God. They were learning to trust Him. You and I must do the same. And Jesus says here that we are sheep, which means He is the good shepherd. He calls Himself that. And when I think about sheep and shepherds, you know, it reminds me, I grew up on a farm in South Mississippi, all right? My grandfather was a farmer and we had cows. We never had sheep, but we had cows and an assortment of other animals. Uh, But the big deal was like planting soybeans and corn and we had cattle, right? And have you ever wondered why God chose to be a shepherd in the way he expresses himself to us and not a cattle driver? Well, growing up around cows, I can tell you why. Because the way you get cows to do what you want them to do, the way you move cattle is you get behind the cattle and you drive them forward. It's why if you've ever watched cowboy movies, it's called going on a cattle drive. You make lots of noise. You pop whips. You you literally scare the cows forward to get them to run to where you want them to go. That is not how God wanted you to see him. That is not the way Jesus wanted you to see your relationship with him. When you look at the way shepherds are with sheep, you realize there is an intimacy, there's a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And while people who deal with cattle will drive them from behind, shepherds always lead from out front. Shepherds go before the sheep and the sheep then follow the shepherd. It is the perfect picture, the most beautiful picture. In the New Testament, the Bible says that even in death and resurrection, Jesus went before us. He led the way, leading all of us who believe in him all the way to eternity with the Father. It is incredible what Jesus has done for us. So we who are believers in him, like the Israelites who were learning how to do this, we must hear his voice. And his voice is always ahead of us, pulling us towards him, and we can trust his voice. Not only that, learning to hear God's voice will protect you from making mistakes. It'll protect you from making mistakes. Listen to Psalm 25, 15. It says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Again, instead of following my own voice, instead of following the distracting voices around me, I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to always be looking towards God. Look what it says. For he will pluck my feet out of the net. Now, the idea of a net in the book of Psalms is the same that it is today. You think about a net, you think about catching something. And have you ever felt in your life like you took a misstep right into a trap? Have you ever felt like your mistakes engulfed you like a fish into a net. You had nowhere to go. It's everywhere you went, you were entrapped, right? We've all been there. It can happen to us in a moment. Well, the Bible tells us that if we'll learn to hear God's voice and if we'll learn to obey his voice, then we can avoid the nets of life, the traps of life. And then finally, if you learn to hear God's voice, it will lead you not just to success because there's lots of versions of success in this life. It will lead you to true success. And true success in the Bible is to live for the purpose of the glory of God. And if you listen to God's voice, it'll do that. Again, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 really helps us with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Again, the choice is not trusting yourself or others. Trusting the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. Humble yourself. And in all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. What does it mean to acknowledge God in all your ways? The Israelites had to do this. It means that you're not going to go your own way. It is a tremendous act of humility. It means I'm not just going to tip my hat to God and say that I I like God, I think God is awesome. I'm actually going to align my life 
with His plans. I'm actually going to align what I do in my life with the commands of God. And when I do that, the Bible promises me He will make my path straight. And if you go your own way, you will find yourself hitting a lot of dead-end roads, going crooked paths. It's going to take you a lot longer to get where you get. And it's going to take you so much longer that often you won't get there at all. All of us want to live a good life, a successful life, right? But what if our version of that is wrong? It's a dead-end road. The Bible tells us if we'll learn to listen to the voice of God, it will actually lead us to the life that we could only dream of, a life of purpose, deep meaning, all to the glory of God. We must learn to hear and listen to the voice of our God. So if we need to learn to listen and hear God's voice, we need to answer this question. How does God speak to us? So how does God speak to us? Well, we see in this story in the book of Exodus chapter 14 that God spoke to the Israelites and He will speak to His children. He will, this shepherd will speak to His sheep. Uh, but in the days of the Israelites in the Exodus, they didn't have their Bibles, so they didn't have preachers all around, so they had Moses. And God indeed did speak to the people of Israel through Moses. But how does He speak to us today? Well, let me tell you, God primarily speaks to us through His Word. God primarily speaks to His people today through His Word. The Word of God is an unbelievable gift placed into the hands of all believers. Now, He doesn't only speak through His Word. He will also speak through several other things. God will speak through other believers in your life. So other people who love Jesus, God will speak through them. They can give you advice. They can affirm and confirm things that you are trying to decide if God is leading you to do it. It's very smart to go and ask friends. The book of Proverbs tells us that where there are much counsel, there's great wisdom. We should walk with the wise to become wise. So you need a community of believers to bounce things off of. Also, God will speak through circumstances. Things happen in your life and you begin to go, what is God speaking to me? And absolutely God can speak through the circumstances in your life that He either orchestrates, as we've learned, or He allows us to find ourselves in those circumstances. But then God also will speak through His Spirit within your heart, within your soul. Internally, God will speak to us. God will nudge us. He will move us in a certain direction. And as you walk with God, you will begin to learn to discern those movements in your heart where God is speaking to you. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand the primary nature of the Word of God and, and also this, the superiority of the Word of God in the life of the believer for God's voice and Him leading them. Because here's how it works. Yes, God can speak to me through other people, through circumstances, and even inside of me, even in my own spirit. But, but I want you to watch this. It, anything that God leads us to do outside of the Word of God will always align with what's inside the Word of God. God never contradicts Himself. So if I get advice from others, that advice must align with the Word of God. If I see circumstances and I think they may be leading me in a certain direction, I need to run that through the filter of the Word. And even if I feel like God is leading me to do something, listen, God will never lead you to do anything that breaks His Word. So the primary way God is going to speak to us is through the Word. Listen to 2 Timothy 3.16 about the Bible. It says this, All Scripture, beginning to end, 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, when we think about righteousness, there is a standard. And the standard for righteousness is Jesus himself. He's the only righteous one. And in fact, the only way we get to go to heaven is through being given the gift of Jesus' righteousness that is given to us. Uh, it's an amazing thing that the gospel provides for us. But you need to understand that it is Jesus who we are going to be made into the image of. We're, we're being whittled away, if you will, by the great carpenter of God. And, and there is something he's looking at. There's something he's turning us into. He is making us more and more like Jesus. So the Bible tells us the number one tool that God uses to move us towards righteousness is going to be his word. The word of God is primary in how God speaks to us in our lives. So now we know how God speaks to us, but how does God lead us? When I think about the way God leads us, I think about a story that I heard, even read a little, about, uh, a little bit about this guy. Sir William Osler was this amazing doctor and medical professional, and you may know his name. He was in the 1800s. He actually was one of the ones who founded and organized John Hopkins School of Medicine. But all of that later fame in his life uh, was not going on when he, when he was in medical school. As you can imagine, as a young man, he was nervous, had all that pressure on him. But not only that, he was a person who tended to need more information than he got in the moment. He wanted to know how he was going to make a living, how everything was going to work out in his life. And in many of his biographies, they talk about the fact that he almost had a nervous breakdown when he was in college and in medical school. And he was really having a hard time because he wanted control of what the future looked like. And then he read some words that changed his life. And the words were this. Our main business is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. Now, Dr. Osler said that this changed his life because it made him stop needing to see so far out into the future. And he began to just hang on to and do what was right in front of him. He was so successful, not only did he uh, do the work of founding and, and organizing John Hopkins School of Medicine, he also became the professor of medicine at Oxford, and he was eventually knighted by the King of England. I would say it worked out pretty well. And, and what, we, what I can get from his example is the, is the way God leads us in the Bible and in our lives through the scriptures. If you go to Psalm 119, 105, you get a picture of how God leads us. It's how he led the Israelites. It's how he leads us now. Listen to these uh, powerful words. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, we said the primary way God's going to lead us as believers is his word. But now we know how it works. The Word of God is not used in our lives like a big I-beam light that's going to let us see years and years and years into the future or, or even weeks and months. The way God leads us is far more intimate than that. Again, He uses shepherd imagery. Now He uses lamp and lantern imagery. Now, I don't know if you know what a lamp or a lantern does, but they do not show you very far down the path. When you're using a lamp or a lantern like they did in ancient times, it gives you maybe a step or two. It shows you what's right ahead on the path. And that's what the Israelites got. 
In fact, there's this, uh, there's this older commentary, and this guy really believed, his name was C.H. McIntosh. And in his commentary, writing on what happened at the Red Sea, he believed that the Red Sea did not split all at once. He believed that the Red Sea split as the Israelites walked through that dry land, that the next part of the ocean would open as they took their steps. And I'm just going to tell you, it can be frustrating, it can be scary, but that is how I've seen God work in my own life. And if you've been walking with the, with the good shepherd very long, you've seen it too. God tends to only light up the path right in front of us. And what we see from the Israelites and for us, the way he leads us is he leads us one step at a time. And we want him to give us more, but he is under no obligation to give us more until we take that step. And what I've seen in my own life is when I take the step that's right in front of me, the way Dr. Osler did in his life, I will begin to see my next step and the next one and the next one. This is the way God works. God will not always give you very far down the path, but he will give you your next step if you will submit, if you will listen to him, if you will follow him and hear his voice. So now we've learned how God speaks to us and how he leads us one step at a time, primarily through the word. But now how should we respond? How should we respond to him? The Israelites responded by following God through Moses out into the Red Sea. And we saw that one of the greatest miracles in history. How do you typically respond to God? Well, what we see is, is we must submit to his guidance. How do we respond to God? We must submit to his guidance. And, and the way I like to think about this is it's putting our yes on the table. It's saying to God before we even get direction, God, I will do whatever you tell me to do. And typically what happens with walking with God is when we get to that place of submission, he then shines the light on direction, the next step. That's what happened with the Israelites. Think about it for a moment. The Israelites needed to wait on God. Why did God tell them, wait and be still and be silent with that army coming at them? Why? Because their hearts were not ready to obey him yet. Look at the narrative we just read. They are saying to Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. Watch this. If they would have followed their own voice, their own direction, they would have bowed down in front of the Egyptians and begged for mercy. And the Egyptians would have taken them back into captivity and put them back into slavery. The Egyptians weren't coming to kill them. They were coming to trap them and take them away into slavery. So the, the Israelites, being afraid for their lives, decided that's what they would do. That would be a better deal than the unknown in front of them. So then God stops them. He has not given them direction yet, except he tells them to wait. And it was in the waiting. We don't know how long they stood there. We don't know how long they waited. But we know when they submitted, when they stopped grumbling, when they listened to God, God spoke. And he said, now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Move forward. And again, he didn't tell them I'm going to split the Red Sea. He said, you got to take a step. But here's the step I want you to take. And that is the sequential nature of God's leadership in our lives. If you are just going to do your own thing, God's not going to give you the next step. If in your heart you've not submitted to God and His leadership in your life and His Word, He's not going to tell you the next steps you need to take. But when you wait and submit, God will lead. And when He leads, you must be willing to go forward. So how do we submit? 
to God, we put our yes on the table. And we say, God, wherever the light of your word shines for me to go, in my marriage, in my parenting, with my money, with sexuality, with what I'm going to do with this new world and the economy, with what I'm going to do with my life, with what I'm going to do with my friendships, whatever, how I'm going to spend my time. God, I'm telling you that whatever you tell me to do, my yes is on the table before I even know where it's going to lead me. And that's when God lights up the lantern of His Word. And through the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that indwells us, lights up the Word that's been given to us. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit that indwells us lights up the Word that has been given to us and gives us our direction. And we must take a step forward. We must follow God forward in what He has for us. That can be a scary step, but it's a step that leads you to your purpose. So today I would just ask you, are you willing to follow God forward? Not backwards, not sitting still, but are you willing to hear His voice and follow Him forward? What a moment You have brought me to such a freedom I have found in You You're the healer Who makes all things new
So we've learned so much today uh, from the Red Sea rules. And what is the Red Sea rule for today? Are you ready for it? The Red Sea rule for today is this. When God says to go, we must follow him forward. When God says go, we must follow him forward. That is Red Sea rule number six. And it's one that we learn today from the Israelites. And the question is, what in your life is God telling you to leave behind and move forward? Because that's the last thing we have to learn. What we must leave behind. Moving forward means something has to be left behind. Listen to what uh, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.13. He said, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul understood the concept that to follow God forward into all that he had for him in the future, he had to leave things behind. And I think a big question that all of us have to ask today and answer is what are we willing to leave behind in the old life? Listen, we said this a few weeks ago. Your new life in Christ is going to cost you your old one. Uh, There's some things you have to leave behind. You're going to have to leave behind some attitudes, some uh, some habits, uh, some ways of thinking. You're going to have to leave behind some fears. You're going to have to leave some leave behind some things that you've held dear for so long. It's going to cost you all that, but it will be so worth it to follow God into the future He has for you. So today, what are you willing to let go of? I heard a story one time about a kid who was at a local store, and you know, out front at some of those stores, they'll have uh, the claw machines. You know the claw machine, right? And the claw never works right, and it kind of reaches down, and it tries to grab the toys, and then it lets go. And there was this kid that decided that he could grab the toy better than the claw. So he reached his arm into the machine through the little uh, hole, little tunnel that goes in the machine, got his hand all the way up into uh, the toy area, grabbed the toy, and he's coming back out, and his hand gets stuck. And the little kid starts freaking out. He can't get his hand out and he's crying, he's screaming. And his mom comes over and she starts freaking out. And they, the, the, the workers at the store are like, look, we'll try to put some grease on his arm and get it out. And they're trying all this stuff. And they can't get it out. And there was this old man standing over against the wall. And, and as he watched the situation with, with elderly wisdom, he walked over to the little boy and he knelt down beside him. And he looked the little boy in the eyes with tears rolling down his face. And the old man smiled at him and said, hey, buddy, let go of the toy. Let go of the toy. And the little boy let go of the toy. And guess what happened? His hand came right out. See, sometimes the thing we want the most, we can't have because we just won't let go of what we already have in our hands. God has so much for you. Listen to me today. All of you who are joining us, God has so much for you. But you're going to have to let go to move forward into what he has for you. Because Red Sea rule number six is this. When God says to go, we must follow him forward. But to do that, you're going to have to let go. So my hope and prayer today for you you is that you will follow him forward and that you'll be willing to let go of whatever it is that holds you back. Because what God has for you is greater than anything you'll ever let go of. So follow him today into the future he has for you.